little chilly out there today, huh? Us Texans, we don't know what to do with this kind of weather. A little cold. But I just wanted, I mean, I'm being completely sincere when I say to you, I'm really, really proud of you that on a morning like this, you chose to be here. Like it, like, again, I'm not, I'm not just blowing smoke here. I, the fact that you chose to come to church on a morning like this, when you had all the reason in the world to stay home, you chose to be with your church family. You chose to give yourself to nurturing your faith through worship, communion, listening to the message of God's word that reveals something about what's going on in your heart. That reveals something about who God is to you and his value in your life. And God's proud of you for the choice that you made. You know, yesterday, something like 76 thousand people gathered in a stadium outdoors when it was minus eight degrees to cheer for their favorite football team because that's a value to them and you chose to come out here this morning when it's so cold because your faith your God your church family it has value to you so thank you. Thank you for making that choice. That encourages my heart as your pastor. Amen. We love you, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And, you know, just speaking of football. <laughs> there's quite a big game going on today, I understand. Cowboys and the Packers? Now, I'm not going to talk smack. We'll just let it play out. We'll see who wins. I'm not praying in either direction. <laughs> and maybe, maybe the Packers might have what it takes to win that game today. And, you know, maybe the Cowboys will have that strong sense of history of the the last 26 years of bowing out in the first round. I don't know. We'll see. It's all good. It's a good reason to be inside around the fireplace today. So last week, we embarked on our new series that we're going to explore throughout the year 2024. And if you weren't here, let me just kind of give you a little context. We're going to explore this topic of putting down roots. So it's interesting all through the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we see a lot of images that serve as illustrations for life lessons. And there's a lot of images of trees and grass and flowers and plants of all different kinds, crops, it's an image that's prevalent throughout the Bible. 
And a lot of times when those images of plants and trees and grasses are discussed, there's usually some other discussion around seeds and roots and branches and fruit. And the purpose of the image throughout the Bible, one of the purposes, is that a tree or the grasses or the flowers are often a picture of our life. And what we see consistently throughout the teaching of the scriptures is that often the strength of the tree and the, the kind of fruit it produces is often determined by the healthiness of the roots. And those roots are often described then as our beliefs. The things that we think are true. And so we're going to explore this idea of putting down roots in our beliefs as Christians in the year 2024. And, and what, what we're working from is that what we believe influences the entire course of our life. That, that simple recipe of life and like everything about life comes down to thinking, choosing, and doing. And what we do is determined by our choices and our choices are determined by our thinking. What are the things that traffic in our mind that influence us to make the choices to do the things that we do? And our beliefs are foundational to everything that goes on in our life. And I was sharing with you last week that um, the roots of a tree serves two purposes primarily. It's the source of nutrition for the tree and it's a source of stability. And so what we see throughout the scriptures is that our beliefs, the things that we, we decide are true, they serve as spiritual nutrition in our life and they serve to provide spiritual stability in the course of life when life gets really hard and difficult and challenging and disappointing. And so in the year 2024, we're going to look at some of the foundational beliefs of what it means to be a Christian. Those beliefs that provide an infrastructure to how effectively your faith works in the face of real life. Now, we just, just think about like our area here where we live and trees. And there's several threats to the stability and the health of trees in our area. A drought, drought happens. It's hard on trees. Storms happen, whether that's either, you know, high winds or like last, you know, remember last year we had the big freeze and people lost entire trees under the weight of the ice that was on the limbs. And then we have a unique challenge here in our area, if we have oak trees, is that, you know, disease happens. Where does that disease happen? In the roots of trees. So a tree's ability to survive the storms of life is largely determined by the strength of its roots. And the same is true in our life as Christians. Our ability to endure the storms of life is often determined by the depths of the roots of our faith. I don't know if you know this, but in life, storms happen. 
really lousy things occur, sometimes by our own fault of our, all the fault of our own, sometimes by the choices of other people, and sometimes it's just the nature of life in a sin-filled world. It just, storms happen. Well, your ability and my ability to be able to navigate and endure the storms of life is largely determined by the strength of the spiritual roots that we have and what we believe. Does that make sense? So that's what we're going to explore this year. Because I know so many stories in our congregation that some of you you are going through storms. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but some of you, there's some storms in your future. And I want you to prevail. I want you to thrive. I want you to be able to be strong in the face of the challenges of life because you have deep roots in the abiding truths of God's word and what you place your trust in. So uh, it's probably been about two months ago. I had lunch with a, a friend. Um, we were just getting acquainted. We're kind of new to each other. I was wanting to hear a little bit about his story as a fascinating story. Um, we got talking. He, he owns a landscaping business. So we got talking about uh, my lawn. And uh, I was explaining to him that in my previous house, which I lived in nearly 20 years here in Fair Oaks, we had St. Augustine grass. And it was just like carefree. I mean, I, that grass was always lush and full and thick and green. I rarely had to do anything to maintain that grass other than cut it and fertilize it uh, once or twice a year. And about three years ago, Charlotte, my wife and I, we moved to a new house here in Fair Oaks. And we have a different grass in our lawn. We have um, zoysia. And I just tell him, I'm having trouble with this. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of OCD about my lawn. So I was like, man, it's just wispy and fragile. And I, I'm having a hard time getting it to come in thick. And so um, he was making some recommendations about what I might do to tend to my lawn. And we talked about aeration fun stuff. Talked about overseeding. We looked at kind of my watering schedule, but he said, probably the, the most important thing that I could recommend that you do is to take a soil sample and then have it analyzed. Now I've heard of that. I've never done that before. I was like, explain that to me. And he said, well, there's a tool when you drill it down into your ground and then you pull it out and it, it, provides a plug of dirt, basically a cross-section of what kind of soil you have in your yard and you can have it analyzed and then they'll make recommendations on like how you water it and what kind of fertilizers you might need. This stuff. I can tell you're really interested. Why do I even bring it up? Well, I'm just killing time. I just... No. No, I, to, as I was preparing today's message, I got to thinking about his recommendation about taking a soil sample. Because today's passage is a bit of a soil sample. 
today's passage, it's about soil and it's about seeds and it's about roots and it's about growth. It's about the things that we're exploring. And I thought to myself, you know, if we, if we look at this passage this morning and we looked at it thoroughly, it'd be sort of like taking a soil sample of your soul. So here today, free of charge, we're going to take a soil sample of your soul. You guys game? So we read this passage in Luke chapter 8. We read this, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, they were coming from everywhere. He told this parable, this story. Now, the story's not necessarily like true in that it happened in real life. He's using an illustration, but a parable by nature is a story with a truth. He's got a point that he's trying to make. And just a heads up, not everything in a parable has to be something, okay? Sometimes a bird is just a bird, okay? So don't make everything try to walk in a parable. But I want to begin here. It's a large crowd was gathering. They were coming to hear what Jesus had to say. They were coming from town after town. Now, here's, here's some things as a preface that I, I just want us to understand. This is not a church service. Okay, this, this isn't like a group of people who are all gathering around with a mutual interest in something about faith. You know, a church service is largely people who have at least some sort of kinship to a certain discussion about truth. But this is not a church service. This is Jesus as a rabbi, and people are coming to hear what he had to say. So these are people from all different walks of life, different places in the region. These are people then would have different experiences and, and different opinions and different perspectives. These would be people with different beliefs. But regardless of who they were, Jesus wanted them to understand something very, very important about life. And I would say the same here today. That regardless of who you are in the room, regardless of where you are from, regardless of where life has taken you on your journey, regardless of your opinions, regardless of your perspectives, regardless of your beliefs, Jesus wants to say something to you. He wants you to understand something that he thinks is incredibly important for all human beings to understand. Does that make sense? So you might be here today, you might be a devoted follower of Jesus. And you might be here today and you're a spiritual skeptic and you're like, I, I'm listening, I'm checking this out, but I don't know what I believe yet. I don't care where you are on that spectrum. Jesus wants to say something to you. This doesn't have anything to do with where you've decided Jesus falls in your life right now. This is something he wants all human beings to understand. You with me? All right. So Jesus begins the story like this. A farmer went out to sow seeds in his field. 
So we got soil, we got seeds, and what we'll eventually see, he's talking about roots. That's all the stuff that we're talking about. Farmer went out to sow seeds in his field, and as he was scattering the seed, some of those seeds fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. And some of the seeds fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Why? Because of the roots. Another seed, it fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and then choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Pretty simple story. Right? Then we read this. And when he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Which is a figurative expression to mean pay attention. If you got ears, you heard the words, but I'm inviting you to hear at a different level. I'm inviting you to hear. From the place of a spiritual depth of life. Everybody heard the words. But Jesus is challenging them to listen closely to what it is that those words meant. Now it's interesting. A lot of times when Jesus shares parables. He ends right there. Whoever has ears let them hear. This is one of only maybe two or three parables in all of the gospels that Jesus actually takes the time to explain. His disciples ask him, what, what, was, what were you talking about? This farmer going out, sowing seed in the field, and some fell here. And other, what, what is that all about? And like I said, this is one of the few occasions that Jesus actually explains the parable. So we read this. Well, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So, in the parable, when we're talking about the seed that is sown, what we're talking about is the truth that God has spoken. The things that God has said. Now, we think of the word of God as this, our Bible, it is, it's a collection of the things that God has said. It's bigger than the Bible in the sense that the Bible didn't exist when Jesus said these words. It's whatever truth comes from the mouth of Jesus, who is God. He says, that's the seed in the story. So basically he's saying this is a story about the truth of God that you believe. Does that make sense? Okay. So, soil sample number one. Those along the path are the ones, they hear God's word, and then the devil comes and he takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and not be saved because they heard it, but they didn't do anything with it. And it's because of the kind of dirt it fell on. It fell on a path. You ready? Ready? I've worked hard on this this week. Ready? You know what a path is? You know what a path is? A path is just soil that gets a lot of traffic. Does that make sense? 
So evidently, some of the seeds fell on places where a lot of people walked and a path had been worn, and now the dirt is hard and the seeds couldn't penetrate down into the soil and put down roots and germinate. You want to talk about this? I'm going to suggest to us that our soul can get a lot of traffic. Our soul can be full of a lot of different voices who want to speak their truth into our life. There's a lot of voices inside of us telling you what to think or how to live. In fact, we're inundated with lots and lots of traffic in our life that's informing us about the nature of how to do our life. You'll hear those voices in academia. Professors and teachers and coaches who want to tell you how they think you should live your life. Industry. Places where you work. They have a voice in your life about what your priorities should be and how your values should play out and how you should allocate your time. And they're telling you how you should live your life. And, and media. All forms of media, news media, social media, digital media that we see, uh, advertising. They're all trying to communicate something about how they think we should live. What your politics should be. What your spiritual beliefs should be. What your values should be. Everybody has a voice in how they think you should go about living your life. Your friends, your family, your peers are speaking into your life. They have traffic in your soul if, if you let them. So our soul, it sees a lot of foot traffic by all the voices that we end up listening to for input into our life. And for far too many people, far too many Christians... We allow the input of so many other people to have a say in our life that it often drowns out what God's trying to say to us. We don't always listen to God in the same way or with the same intensity or the same amount of time that we give so many other voices in our life. I want to see something really interesting. Statistics. These things right here. A phone. The average person spends two hours and 24 minutes on social media every day. That's voices that we're listening to. Passing on values and ways of thinking and what your priorities should or shouldn't be. The average American checks their mobile device. 159 times a day. <laughs> Sitting on the table at lunch, what do you do? Did I get that call? Did I get any likes? Did anybody approve my picture? Did they think my comment was funny? It actually demonstrates that our phones can be an addiction. 
a compulsive behavior in our life where we go to it looking for some sort of affirmation, some sort of applause, some sort of acknowledgement. That's all speaking into our soul. Americans spend on average 31 minutes per day on Facebook. And if you're sitting here, I'm not on Facebook. Okay, Twitter, Instagram, your favorite digital news site. And I thought this was amazing. Americans spend 4.2 hours per day on mobile gaming. Now that might be age specific, but it's still alarming. Just these little things right here can have an enormous influence in our life about what we think and what we believe because of what we read and spend time rehearsing over and over again on these phones. I, I know, not you, but the person next to you. This is true of them. <laughs> so you want to do a simple test? Sure. Jerry said, sure. He was speaking for all of you. Here's a really simple test. It's a test that I've had to take and at times I've failed. And I'm your pastor. The test, ask yourself, how much time in a day do I spend looking at my phone compared to how much time each day I spend reading, studying, meditating on the scriptures? I meet so many Christians. I'm talking established followers of Christ for years. And they say, well, I, I spend my 15 minutes a day reading my Bible and praying. I go, 15? Okay, that's awesome. But tell me how much time you spend on the other stuff. And it might be an indication of the health of our soul. That our soul might be a well-worn path that we're listening to so many other voices in our life that God can't get a word in edgewise. Does that make sense? The other way that you can wear a pretty hard path in your soul is to be so stinking busy that you don't have time to spend meditating on God's word for input in your life. I say, I got a million things to do today. I got a million things to do this month. We say, I'm going 100 miles an hour. And unfortunately, in our American society, we sort of go, wow, I'm impressed. You are so busy. Never stopping to think that busyness is simply a demonstration of a mismanaged life that doesn't have a clear sense of purpose and priority about what I'm supposed to do with my time. And so we fill it with everything. And in so busy, we don't have any margins for God to have a say in our life. I don't have time to read my Bible then we have to ask ourselves, why? Well, because I'm so stinking busy. Okay, then we've got something to address because when we don't have time to hear God's word, then the path of our heart is hard soil that's trafficked by so many voices, by so many priorities, by so much busyness that we can't listen and hear what God has to say to us. 
I've shared this with you before. The three greatest threats to the health of your soul are hurry, noise, and clutter. And when we keep giving our lives over to all the things that we think we have to do and all the noise of people that we think we have to listen to, and we do that at the neglect of giving God an opportunity to speak into our lives each day, then our soul becomes hard and God can't get his roots down inside of us. Does that make sense? All right. There's a few more things I wanted to share, but we got to move. All right. Soil sample number two. The seeds that fall on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. Oh, this is awesome. I love to hear about how God loves me. I love to hear about how God forgives me. I love to know that all these things. There's heaven. I receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in the time of testing, they end up falling away because they have no stability, no strength. The word of God was nothing more than perhaps entertainment or spiritual information or maybe religious inspiration, but they never allowed the word of God to be the guide for how they go about living their life. They loved hearing about it, but to have to live by it was a different thing. So they made a choice to simply hear it, but never do anything with it. And so consequently, their roots are shallow. So when life gets hard, when the marriage isn't working, when something's going on in the life of your child, it's really disappointing. When you get bad news from the doctor, when you have a financial setback, you don't have any deep roots in your faith and therefore you become disappointed in God and you get angry at God and, and you walk away from God because you have no roots. You know, I've been a pastor now for 30 some years. And I've seen it as a pattern, people who show up at church occasionally, and they like to hear some stuff now and then, especially around Christmas and Easter. That's all the fun stuff. But they, they don't make it a priority in their life. They rarely show up at a church where they hear the word of God spoken to them in their hearts. And they make no investment in their spiritual health and well-being. And, and then... Storms happen and life throws them curveballs and they get really disappointed that their faith just isn't working and they run back to church to try to get God to, you know, help them out here. And, and they oftentimes want to blame it on God. Why wasn't God protecting me? Why God, wasn't God providing for me? And it's not God's fault at all. We just haven't ever taken the time to nurture the kind of faith that's strong and stable so that when I encounter the storms of life, I can navigate them and stay true to my beliefs about God's love and grace and sufficiency for my life. And, you know, this is just a word of caution to those of you who are parents with kids and sports. I share this out of a love for you and a concern for you. 
to get your children so involved in sports to where their Sundays are occupied for weeks on end. Just understand that your children are learning something about the priority and the place of God in their life. And when the season's over, you may rush them back to church for a couple more weeks before the next season starts. But just know that someday when they get older and they're making their own choices, they will have learned from your example the place and the priority of God in your life. And they just might not make the choices that make your heart happy as a parent. They won't have the roots. They won't have the roots to be able to help them to be strong and stable in their faith when they're out on their own. Does that make sense? Soil sample number three, the seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear God's word. But as they go on their way, they're choked by by life's worries, life's riches, life's pleasures. And they never really ever grow up. They never become mature in their faith. And those are really, those are really haunting sorts of observations that life's worries can choke out the, the impact of God's truth. I, I continue to see the evidence that so many Christians want to make worry some sort of socially acceptable sin. Oh, I'm just a worrier. My mom was a worrier, so I'm a worrier. Worry is nothing other than living in fear and a lack of faith in God's ability to provide for you. And so what you're saying is, I'm just a worrier. I'm just committed to not trusting God with taking care of my life and my family. And it chokes out the truth of God's word and can be destructive to your soul. You can become so distracted by your worries that your faith never has the opportunity to truly thrive and prevail. I trust that God's going to take care of our needs. Life's riches choke out God's word. The pursuit of wealth and the security that it brings can do damage to our soul. And there's so many ways that we can rationalize it. Well, I work hard and I make a good living to provide for my family. And that's all good and well. Until we step behind it and we honestly look at the amount of time and energy that we put in chasing after that wealth. And that supposed, you know, feeling of security that it brings that we really, if we're honest, it's just that we're greedy. And I know you're going to think this is just the preacher's agenda. I know, I know. This is my first rodeo, but I'm going to tell you something. You ready? You ready? You know that, that spiritual invitation of giving your money, tithing? It, it isn't that God's after your money. It's an opportunity for us to show money you don't have control over me. That I trust in God to provide my needs. And so I will give God a portion of my income of demonstrating to him. I trust you. Giving is a way that we show God. My trust is in you. Not my job. Not my career. Not my paycheck. It's in you. Here. I want you to have 
a portion of this so that you know that you're first and I trust you the most. Life's pleasures choke out God's word. If no one's ever told you this, do you know what the heart of the American dream is? The heart of the American dream is to live life as comfortably and as conveniently as possible. And there's nothing wrong with being comfortable and there's nothing wrong with having life convenient until you order everything around your life about being comfortable and being convenient that you refuse to do anything to step outside of your comfort zone and do hard things now and then to show your soul that it's not going to be driven by comfort and convenience. I know this may sound like preacher agenda. This isn't my first rodeo, but you know that invitation to serve that invitation to serve others in need is the invitation to step outside of our comfort zone and do things that are uncomfortable and inconvenient for the good of others as a way of making sure that our soul doesn't become lazy and selfish. It's part of God's design. Serve others so that your soul can put down deep roots and thrive in the best things that the soul was intended to provide. We got to go finish this soil sample number four, but the seed on good soil, it stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, they retain it. And then by persevering, they end up seeing the fruit of the investment in their spiritual walk. They see a crop. This good soil, this noble and good heart, essentially in scripture, what it's saying is a heart that's humble. A heart that's open to the input of God's word, that I listen to it and not only listen to it, now I decide how am I going to integrate it into the way that I live my life. It's not just entertainment. It's not just information. It is a way that I order my life and by retaining it, I persevere in living the way that God has called me to live. And in time, I see the many benefits and blessings that come with being a tree that has deep roots in my faith. Hear, retain, persevere, stick with it, stay the course. Because in doing so, you drive roots deep down into the fertile soil of your faith and it ends up paying you in enormous dividends of God's blessing in your life. So let's end with this, this little soil sample of your soul. You answer the question as honestly as you can before God. What kind of soil describes your soul today? Is your soul hard? If you were honest, you're allowing so many voices to have such a, such a great amount of traffic in, in, your, in your beliefs that your, your soul is hard to what God wants to say. Are you on rocky soil right now? Life's hard and, and, and you don't have time for God's place and priority for you? Or is your soul being choked out by life's pleasures and life's riches and life's worries? 
Or, or can you honestly say that my soul right now is fertile soil? I'm so open and available to whatever God wants to speak to me through the influence of his abiding word. And I'm willing to do whatever he asks me, whatever he calls me to do. I'll do that. That's my soul today. And like we began, Jesus wanted you to hear this. He wanted you to be honest with yourself before him. Where is my soul today? What kind of soil would describe my life right now? And the good news is that if you're honest to it, Jesus can come in there and can change that. If you let him. Make sense? Let me ask you to stand together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for loving us enough that you would say the, the whole truth in the hopes that we'd hear it. And I pray for each person who sat and listened to this message today, that it wouldn't be about anything I said, but they will listen to the power of your word in this parable and they would be honest and open before you to ask themselves, what kind of soil is in my soul right now? And I pray, Father, that in that honesty and perhaps in that confession, that you will be at work in their life to transform the soil of their soul and turn it into something that's rich and fertile and, and, and open to whatever it is that you might have for them as your child. I pray and ask this in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.